0: I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. Today's episode is a lecture given by Carl Abrahamson, entitled Anton LaVey, Magical Innovator. Carl and I are hosting an event series at Morbid Anatomy Online Sundays this September. Thank you all so much to everyone who's come out for the first two events. We had Dr. Isabel Molar presenting on psychoanalysis, artificial intelligence, and the patty political body. I gave a talk on Freud's explorations of the occult. We had a discussion with Miss Anna Biller, director and writer of The Love Witch and Viva, and Mary Wilde, co host of Projections Podcast and host of the Projections series at the Freud Museum London gave a talk on taxidermy in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Coming up this Sunday, we have Peter Gray and Alkistis Demeck of Scarlet Imprint discussing Peter Gray's newest book, The Two Antichrists, on the relation and magic between Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard. Jack Parsons was an astrophysicist and occultist, and L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. So join us this Sunday, September 19th, for that. To register, you can go to Morbid Anatomy directly at morbidanatomy.org events. For the whole series and for past Psych Art Cult events, you can check out the Psych Art Cult website. That's P-S-Y-C-H-A-R-T-C-U-L-T org. Carl himself will be presenting next Sunday, September 26th, Memento Mori Forever. And the one and only Blanche Barton, Magistra Templi Rex of the Church of Satan. She'll be presenting, Dancing in the Graveyard, Death Imagery in Satanism. You can support Rendering Unconscious podcast and all of my creative work with Carl at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23carl, that's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-2-3-C-A-R-L. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon patrons. Your support is so appreciated. It means the world. You can also check out Carl's publishing company, Trapart Books, Films, and Editions, at trapart.net. There you can find the book Sacred Intent. Conversations with Carl Abrahamson and Genesis Briar Prioridge. You can also check out his novels, Mother Have a Safe Trip and The Devil's Footprint. You can also find his book Resonances at Scarlet Imprint, scarletimprint.com. And he has a book, A Culture, The Unseen Forces That Drive Culture Forward, on Inner Traditions. Also, he has a book coming out on Inner Traditions this February on Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan. For those, head to Inner Traditions' website, innertraditions.com. Carl has also made a film called Anton LaVey, Into the Devil's Den, which you can find on his Vimeo page. Visit Carl's website, com. that's C-A-R-L-A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-S-O-N.com. There, in the film section, you can find links to all his films, including Anton LaVey, into the Devil's Den, streaming on Vimeo on demand. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode.
1: Welcome. To the Occulture Lecture Series with Carl Abrahamson. Welcome to this evening's lecture Anton Lavey, Magical Innovator. Assuming that there is already a fundamental knowledge of Satanism in this illustrious crowd, I'm going to allow myself to delve deeper into a few specialized sections of Anton LaVey's contribution to contemporary magical philosophy. Let's generalize a bit and say that the first half of the 20th century was all about synthesizing. East met West and this was integrated into esoteric systems by intelligent structure makers. The Golden Dawn was one such group of structure makers. Theosophy under Blavatsky also. Gurdjieff was another protagonist. Rudolf Steiner another. Alistair Crowley perhaps the most well-known one. They all made nutritious stews but basically out of already existing ingredients. The second half of the 20th century was more violent and also more creative in many ways. As the recent structures had become established and their once so pioneering key people had become accepted teachers or gurus and a new breed bred on this first generation of thelema, golden dawn, splinter groups and assorted pre-1960s swamis from the east concocted their own syntheses and groups, however, taking considerably more contemporary fodder into account than previously before. Science, psychology, irony and humor, art, speculative philosophies and other previously rare phenomena within occultism, suddenly overrode arcane concepts like invocation, banishing, Kabbalah, tarot, wands, astrology, mystical angelic languages and ancient demonic names etc. Instead the focus lay in spheres of experimentation, neurology, psychodrama, sexuality and other non-sectarian core human phenomena old structures were dissolved in new ways of looking at things. The Church of Satan was one of these precursors of radical change. Established in 1966 by Anton LaVey, the church's first phase up until the late 1970s was one of visibility and provocation. LaVey's colorful presence made him both both him and his church celebrities. A well-formulated and intriguing antidote to the mellow and essentially selfless hippies of the era, LaVey was cabled out all over the world into news and men's magazines who found the naked women on his altar just shocking enough to print. During the second phase from the late 1970s and up until his death in 1997, Lavey became much more of a recluse and solitaire. He was established and his book The Satanic Bible kept on selling and generated an income which meant he could thereby devote his time and energies to one of the key concepts of The Church of Satan – indulgence instead of abstinence. And one of the things that he enjoyed and indulged in was writing. Although his books The Satanic Bible, The Satanic Rituals and The Satanic Witch are his most well-known, I would say that the later anthologies The Devil's Notebook and Satan Speaks are much more substantial when it comes to his own thinking. The Bible and The Rituals were basically assemblage volumes in which pragmatically chosen material was edited together and augmented further by initiated comments. But the two volumes of essays and maxims that followed much later, that is The Devil's Notebook and Satan Speaks, genuinely contain the essence of Lavey's latter-day wit and creativity. These essays are also a great source of some groundbreaking magical concepts both on the lesser magic level which is willed manipulation of everyday, everyday life and the greater magic level which is ritualized programming of a willed is-to-be situation or development. Already in the Satanic Bible LaVey had shown considerable creativity. Concepts like uh, psychic vampires and the balance factor soon became household terms in America and the rest of the world. His description of the ritual space as an intellectual decompression chamber also hit home outside the strictly satanic perimeters as did the slightly later term occultnik signifying a person who is lost within old structures of occultism without being able to see what's really of use on a practical, material level. In the Satanic Bible we can also find an old-school method within occult writing, creative appropriation of an older source. In this case, LaVey's use of the Enochian keys, originally written by Dee and Kelly via their biographer Merrick Casobon in 1659 and then regurgitated throughout the centuries up until Crowley. LaVey exchanged the final intonations, traditionally translated as the highest, with Saitan, claiming that the previous translations and vibrations had been erroneous. the barbaric tonal qualities of this language give it a truly magical effect which cannot be described. He also claimed that the nature of the scrying that Kelly as the gazer had used um, had been mispresented as via the grace of angels, when in fact, according to Lavey, it has to do with ocular and psychic angles which can, metaphorically or not, open wide the gates of hell. The satanic witch was a primer in applied practical feminism. It also brought in concepts like the LaVey personality synthesizer or the personality clock. This is a method to be used in various kinds of matchmaking, human as well as within other areas of choice and resonance. Not necessarily as a spiritual oracle of some kind, but as a down-to-earth method of applied psychology. And there was also the important concept of ECI erotic crystallization inertia, meaning that our very first defining erotic moments like the first orgasm for instance will be forever linked to the surroundings, emotional atmospheres, etc. inside our psyche. That crystallizing moment will be with us forever and affect us all throughout life. As it is an overwhelmingly emotional moment for good and bad, it can be tapped as a source of energy in magical workings. As with a general and honest definition of one's own sexuality, the conscious working with ECI brings several benefits to the magician. One telling example that most of us can see within our own culture is the fact that both men and women seem to get stuck time and look wise in the period when they were most sexually active and attractive. LaVey pointed out some concrete situations where ECI is usually unconsciously used but even more visible. Solitary elderly people like widows or widowers usually become depressed and lacking in motivation. When in the company of people of the same generation and in an environment that is created to evoke this sexual peak period of life, vitality, um, life, vitality and general health comes back in almost miraculous ways. We'll return to this in the form of another Laveian construct, the total environment. One very important aspect of uh, the satanic witch was the development of what Lavey called the law of the forbidden, meaning that to attract a person or a desired situation, one needs to be genuinely aware of one's own qualities. This is very tied into the balance factor I mentioned earlier and the alluring display of sections, but not all of it. Showing a little bit of flesh by mistake can create a greater jolt and impact than quickly undressing and revealing it all. Nothing is so fascinating as that which is not meant to be seen." There is even a chapter in the Satanic Witch called The Secrets of Indecent Exposure. However, the dynamic need not be sexual at all the law of the forbidden can be used in many different areas. Sexual honesty is paramount in the Laveian universe. Personal fetishes are also extremely important, whether sexual or emotional. To feel strongly about something that concerns no one else is to generate a force field that can be tapped indefinitely. To feel strongly about something that concerns a multitude of people is to generate leakage and distortion. To savor small items of active preference in a fetishistic way thereby becomes a highly conscious magical act. Emulation is not a key to Satanism. Passion on the other hand is. What follows now is an overview of some further key concepts that can hopingly inspire you to delve further into these mysteries uh, via the specifically satanic grid according to LaVey. The first is integration of the ego. Almost all previous magical systems were developed, developed within a dichotomy that was structured around the relationship between higher and lower. No doubt having to do with monotheistic religious imprints in which this life is insufficient and that some kind of idealized pie-in-the-sky is better and more worth striving for. The heavy influx of Freudian energy during the 20th century revealed the power of the conscious ego and of the unconscious ego, too. Lavey integrated the ego as a valid and relevant component in magical thought and thereby made void invisible moralisms that had up until then permeated the worldview of practically all previous magical conceptualists. And this dichotomy this thing higher lower. Higher lower is in itself a concept imbued with value and that value stems from control systems stressing that the ideal can essentially not be reached within the span of one human lifetime. Anton LaVey on the other hand stressed that the uncertainty of karmic relations possibly transcending this lifetime is too strong and that gratification of desires in the here and now is more of a natural given and certainly more worth striving for. One also has to take into consideration that will is always expressed through ego and that even demi-god characters in our culture projected with selfless, altruistic and spiritual existence like the Dalai Lama, Gandhi, uh, other eastern figures or gurus, uh, the catholic pope etc. all make choices through their egos. And This LaVeyan perspective disrobes a great deal of hypocrisy in our own zeitgeist whether the proponents be political, religious, magical, or just generally altruistic, there is always ego involved in decision-making. And if this is not recognized and exposed, obstructing illusions will dominate the analytical faculties of those taking part. And this illusion would only be deemed satanically sanctioned if the person in question allows him or herself to be duped in order to gratify his or her own masochistic need of servitude. The Laveyan magical system favors the eloquent will of the ego as well as its underlying libidinal and compensatory forces as the most relevant ideal to strive for. Whichever clothing this ideal is individually dressed in it rids itself of the illusions stemming from other people's projections as well as from their individual ego-based wills. Although LaVey and later LaVeyans have expressed a critical stance in regard to a concept like spiritual. The concept concept itself would be better off in a dichotomy called inner and outer, thereby nivellating or at least decimating any inherent value-based interpretations. We all work with processes of thinking, willing, feeling etc. and they could all be seen as being inner and or related to the workings of the mind. These processes are then expressed in the outer, filtered through the ego. And if the inner is inspired somehow by what is traditionally stamped as spiritual or higher adherence to a certain technical language or certain techniques like yoga, meditation, or even specific religious thought or iconography and this is expressed through a conscious ego. The ball game is moved from an externally controlled or imposed field of values to the highly magical and ego gratifying field of well-being in resonance. and all altruism stems from decisions made by the ego as does all non or even anti-altruism. This integration of a considerably more stripped attitude when it comes to the human psyche and its motivations is probably Lavey's most important contribution to magical thought. The next point The Validation and Integration of Emotion Where previous western magical systems had been based on an intellectual and systematized, very structured approach, uh, Anton LaVey brought in the emotional as a key agent. No greater magical working can, according to LaVey, be successful without an evocation of relevant human emotions. Although this sounds simple enough it becomes a dilemma when the individual is armed to his or her teeth with fancy elemental weapons and a perfect intellectual understanding of how to perform a traditional ritual. But what about why? Why is this ritual performed? Usually to quote cause change to occur in conformity with will, end quote, to paraphrase Crowley. That's fair and fine enough, but if the magician in question only works within a strictly intellectual sphere with a rational approach, he or she might just as well focus on lesser magic, which means a Machiavellian manipulation of the surroundings. Basically any working, dealing with greater aspects, needs emotional investment in the ritual moment. And Lavey's term for the temple space, uh, the intellectual decompression chamber, pretty much sums it up. It is a challenge for most people to honestly know themselves and to have the courage, even in solitary settings, to display weaknesses and emotions that are not in line with a desired self-image. But how else can you develop, overcome or banish these weaknesses? The next point is a sense of humor. Of course this was not invented by Anton LaVey but very few magicians have stressed it as an, as an important quality and also as a tool. A satanist without a sense of humor would be unbearable, abhorrent. LaVey says in the documentary Speak of the Devil. The use of tricks, jokes and pranks can be integrated in complex and highly serious magical workings, especially if it entails ridiculing a pretentious person or force or strategically demeaning or belittling oneself to gain a better perspective or position. The clown or the joker is indeed a powerful figure or type. The Devil's Notebook is suitably dedicated to quote the men, whoever they are who invented the whoopee cushion, the joy buzzer and the Sneezo Bubble." And here's another quote. Invariably, those with the most finely honed sense of humor find serious meaning in what everyone else ridicules. The very nature of the joke is its foundation of misfortune. The joke maker can spot the sham in acceptably serious situations and then, having called attention to the deception, he may stand forth as a satanic tribune. Not so easy is the reverse. The same rebel who defends the unpopular and the ridiculed plays to an audience whose only illusion of strength lies in its ability to ridicule. It's interesting to observe how lower man, while realizing the sadness of clowns, seldom pays attention to them when they have serious thoughts to offer." That's from the book Satan Speaks. Incidentally, the satanically important character of the villain, by his very antithetical stance, also makes fun of the existing order and morals and hence functions as a liberating character, if intelligent and conscious about it. Scapegoating is an important and apparently necessary function in the human psyche, at least for egos that are not healthily gratified. And to take on the persona of the vilified or the mocking catalyst requires an inner strength not often found among the herd, according to LaVey. And now we come to the artificial human companions, a subject dear to LaVey. Inspired by his own misanthropy, nostalgia and the will to be in charge, LaVey early on started creating humanoid dolls, often as memories from his own youth. In the basement of his black house in San Francisco, the house immortalized by the Eagles in their chart-busting song Hotel California, LaVey had a bar called the Den of Iniquity, complete with several artificial human companions. This environment and its denizens acted as an intellectual decompression chamber as much as the classic black temple space upstairs or the kitchen where Lavey kept his vast collection of synthesizers and other musical instruments. To be able to make small talk with the drunks, the bartender behind the bar and the old lady on the floor who was a drunken victim of Lavey's own sexual fetish, watching women piss their panties, became a sanctuary and a zone Free of rational processes and expectations. Anything could happen here and often did. The current emergence of commercially available human companions, for instance those made by the company Real Doll, not solely intended for sexual use, is a clear current example of a Laveian concept manifesting. Outside of the strictly satanic environment. Excuse me. Quote I have great respect for those who pioneer their own artificial human companion, crude as they might initially be. They will have come a small step closer to playing God, and creating man or woman according to their desired image. With a creative outlet as cloaked in aged-old taboo as this, innovation may now run rampant, more so than any art form man has yet known. The bizarre twilight world of the ventriloquist, the puppet master and the doll maker can perhaps be understood through other than the minds of psychologists. The acceptable schizoid element in us all, in all of us, the one that selects our mates, has a fresh, new, open portal to pass through. Through surrogates, the race will survive, end quote. That's from The Devil's Notebook. And here's another quote about that. The prime appeal of the humanoid lies in its approximation of the purchaser's other half, and artificial companions that are pleasingly heard, smelled, and felt also constitute positive selling points, but that an artificial companion looks right is of primary importance." Those quotes were also from The Devil's Notebook. And now we enter the terrain of the total environment, also a subject dear to LaVey. One of the most important ideas or concepts along with that of artificial human companions is the total environment. Consistent in his exclusion of the herd that provokes deep misanthropy and his inclusion of personal aesthetics and fetishism. Lavey's development of total environments are a key to understanding the subtleties of his magic. In a world that becomes louder and louder and more and more fragmented, the existence of a sacred space filled with perfection and maximum personal resonance almost becomes a heretical act. It actually is. Not only does it affect you in beneficial ways like relaxation, excitement, and inspiration, there's also the possibility of using these spaces and times, if they are time or era specific, for creative magical rituals in many different ways and directions. In the Satanic rituals, LaVey stated that quote. Man's ugly habit of elevating himself by defaming others is an unfortunate phenomenon, yet apparently necessary to his emotional well-being." With the development of total environments and many of his other concepts, there was no longer a need for Lavey to be a frustrated outsider in conflict with the herd. The Satanist's creative isolation in a space-time-warp possible mind frame is one of silence and subtlety and one of the greatest tools in the satanic trade. This combined with honest self-knowledge and a proud appreciation of one's own kinks and complications makes for a good solid satanist. There's always a strong focus of real-life material success, material success too, but only based on the balance factor and what is actually possible for an individual in that specific position. Self-deceit is not a popular quality in Lavey's cosmos. Quote, the most successful individuals throughout history have been the people who learn a few good tricks and apply them well, rather than those with a whole bag full of uh, full who don't know which trick to pull out at the right time, or how to use it once they get it out." The total environment encompasses many of the central LaVeyan concepts, in one confined yet endless space. Personal preferences, aesthetics, the intellectual decompression chamber, fetishism, misanthropy, and possibly artificial human companions to share the magic with. It's a sphere of clear-sighted yet romantic proto-creativity previously unheard of in classical magical lore. Integration of music was also very important. LaVey was a skilled musician and he loved music. No wonder then that he had explored magical aspects of tone, vibrations, rhythms, the human voice and all of these things put together. His own rituals often included his own playing suitable instruments and sometimes the ritual itself was the actual playing of one selected piece of music with heavy emotional gusto. Music is the most effective tool for evocation as the entire body rhythm is helplessly taken up by the pattern of life associated with the musical selection. A meaningful idea never dies, nor does the emotional response generated by certain compositions. If enough people are inspired or moved by these compositions, the selections become sonic repository for the accumulated emotions of all those affected by them. Becoming an all-encompassing sensing element to the collective feedback of a particular composition can yield a total evocation." End quote. Again, the integration of emotion is fundamentally important. There is probably no art form more emotional than music. To get into the mood of a specific working, the inclusion of of a musical piece chosen for its evocative qualities is essential. If performed live, the emotional amplification will of course be even greater. In discussing these things, LaVey also mentions emotional cording. There seems, according to him, to exist one chord for each emotion. Animals respond to very few, basically pleasure and pain. Quote, humans have added certain chords to their internal lyre, such as sentiment, which sometimes appears as nostalgia, a combination of pleasure and pain. Humans' internal cording is more complex because humans experience a wider range of stimuli than do other animals. Though, alas, the reverse is often true." Now we come to the villain. Satan was defined by LaVey as a symbol with the powerful potential of accusing and revealing hypocrisy and double standards. Satire, irony and scathing intelligence here become magical qualities as personified in the LaVeyan inspirations like Mark Twain, Ben Hecht and H. L. Mencken. Wherever there is dogmatic hypocrisy and attempts at control through intimidation there will be counter forces. When direct causal balancing is not possible then a sardonic strike can do just as well. In all cultures, the anti-hero, rebel or villain is usually more popular than the self-righteous hero running the errands of the corrupt. Even worse than the hero, him or herself, is the person cheering on the righteousness imposed by others. LaVey describes these people as those bearing a good guy badge. Gather two or more of these together and an intolerant lynch mob is never far away. The balancing force is here the lone ranger figure, often a truly good and just person, but with methods and an intelligence in direct opposition to the status quo behavior of the herd. The more grandiose the villain, the more beneficent he is to society and the greater one's natural degree of non-conformity, the greater are one's magical powers." This in no way automatically implies that non-conformers or outsiders are villainous or vice versa, but there's something in the isolation from the herd or the collective that is absolutely central in the LaVeyan worldview. Besides the integrated sense of dark humor there's also the concept of noir justice in both satanic and criminal environments. The anti-hero of hard-boiled crime stories of the 1940s and 50s and his stern cinematic counterpart in film noir often represents justice but very seldom the legal system. And the criminal world is truly one of Machiavellian strategies and the proto-natural lex talionis that LaVey was such an avid advocate of. And now we get to the third side. Oppositional transcendence is a fairly new construct in western magical thought, where Chinese Taoism has always favored the both and rather than the either or stance. Western occult philosophy. He has, up until the 20th century, been bogged down by religious dualisms and simplified uh, divisions. Alistair Crowley was instrumental in this transcendental process with his famous definition the magic of Horus requires the passionate union of opposites. It is not only a magical way of solving problems or looking at things, but also acknowledges modern scientific thought. Where opposites either clash or unite there is a great amount of energy set free. For the magician aware of the mechanisms involved that energy can easily be directed to do his or her bidding. What's interesting here is what LaVey called the third side of any issue at hand. This side he described and defined as satanic because it challenges dim-witted dualism. Reality is always more multifaceted than a yes or a no and especially if one is on a pragmatic prowl for success and pleasure for oneself. Aligning oneself with either the, uh, with either, the either or the or is usually to take the safe way out. The third side may be controversial but that's never a problem for a satanist. Quote, the third side can be the crackpot stuff of conspiracy theories, or it can be the most logical and simple yet deliberately neglected conclusion. End quote. In Satan Speaks, LaVey gives an example of how this dynamic could work as a pragmatic, magical formula mixing two iconic, almost mythic energies of 20th century life and culture, National Socialism and Judaism. Lavey himself was Jewish by birth, and at times even expressed Zionist leanings, but at the same time he admired fascist aesthetics from both Italy and Nazi Germany. Quote, it will become easier and more convincing for any Satanist to combine a Jewish lineage with a Nazi aesthetic, and with pride that rather than with guilt and misgiving. The die is cast with the vast numbers of children of mixed Jewish-Gentile origins. They need a place to go. They need a tough identity. They won't find it in the Christian church, nor will they find it in the synagogue. They certainly won't find acceptance among identity anti-Christian, anti-Semites, who use noble, rich, and inspirational Norse mythology as an excuse and vehicle to rant about the Zog. The only place a rational amalgam of proud, admitted, Zionist, Odinist, Bolshevik, Nazi, imperialist, socialist fascism will be found and championed will be in the church of Satan." Criticism of Anton LaVey and his genuinely creative concepts most often stem from blunt prejudice within the critic. When the individual feels safe and comfortable within a system, even systems of otherwise radical and provocative concepts, the critical faculties toward that system become void and scapegoating towards others begin. While often being brushed off as a con-man or a charlatan by these kinds of critics, Anton Lavey still lingers on as an important player in contemporary magical philosophy. He was decidedly a heretic, but perhaps not so much against the Christian church and other monotheistic control systems, because these were already increasingly redundant and far too easy to mock. But more so in relation to the magical moralists, all too happy to do some unconscious scapegoating and all too happy to flaunt their degree-studded good guy badges. There are many other concepts that deserve a closer study. LaVey's thoughts on masochism in relation to beneficial slavery, for instance, the law of the trapezoid, and lycanthropic metamorphosis, to mention but a few. I hope this lecture has at least laid a solid base as an overview for future interest and attention. I will end this with yet another quote, quote. When I think of all those who would rejoice at my discomfort, I am energised and strengthened to the extent that I might overcome any malaise. It is not my love for mankind that sustains me, but rather mankind's resentment of me. My disdain and contempt for the mediocre masses in general, and those who calumniate me in particular, angers me to regeneration." Quote. That's from The Devil's Notebook. Thank you for listening to this lecture, Anton LaVey, Magical Innovator. Um, Stay tuned. And um, if you haven't already done that, sign up for my newsletter at carlabrahamsen.com. So you'll be in the know when it's time for another lecture and webinar. Thank you very much for joining. See you next time. If you enjoyed this lecture... Please visit carlabrahamson.com for more information about upcoming lectures and webinars. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a talk by Carl Abrahamson called Anton LaVey, Magical Innovator. For more, visit Carl's website, CarlAbrahamson.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-S-O-N.com. There, in the film section, you can find links to all his films, including Anton LaVey, Into The Devil's Den, streaming on Vimeo On Demand. And join us at Morbid Anatomy for our series of psychoanalysis art and the occult events, Sundays this September. Coming up this Sunday, we have Peter Gray and Alkistis Demek presenting The Two Antichrists. And then next Sunday, September 26th, we have Carl Abrahamson presenting Memento Mori Forever and Blanche Barton presenting Dancing in the Graveyard, Death Imagery in Satanism. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode. You can visit my website, sinclair.net, or the podcast main website, renderingunconscious.org, for links and more information. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at rawsin underscore. That's R-A-W-S-I-N underscore. You can support the podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23carl. That's V-A-N-E-S-S-A-2-3-C-A-R-L. Your support is very appreciated. Thank you so much for supporting Rendering Unconscious podcast and all of my other creative endeavors. And now the song that made it all happen, Sweet Jane by White Stains. You can find this and all of our music at Highbrow Lowlife's Bandcamp page. That's highbrowlowlife.bandcamp.com When I woke up, I felt like I
2: owned the whole... World. <laughs> I never remember feeling so good before. Never? Never, 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 never. <laughs>